This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. Hey, what's good? It's done deal, and I just skipped class with the progress report. The progress report. All right, what's going on? It's your girl, Lala Shepard. We are skipping class, presented by The Progress Report. Today, I got super producer in here, done deal. What's good? What's good? How are you? I'm great. That's what's up, man. It's great to see you. Thank you for coming back to the platform the first time doing a skipping class. Yes, yes. Yes, sir. Still one of my favorite producers. Thank you. Period. I appreciate that. All right. So let's get right into it, Dunn. Um, so for those that do know you, they know your tag. They hear Dunn deal on the track when, you know, a song that you produce comes on. So talk about, you got two tags. Yeah, I, yeah, I have two tags. So talk about them drinks. Okay, well, the first one was from Schoolie, um, Rich Kids. We did a I See You, and he just said Dunn deal on the track one day, and it was like, I was like, stop. That's it. And I cut it. And, Used it for my tag for the next seven to eight years. And then the next one came from Thug. And uh, I just chopped it off with one of the songs that he said something. So those are my two tags. Okay. Schooly, Young Thug. Nice. How did you get your name, Dundee? I got my name from uh, Pastor Creflo Dollar. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to make music at this studio. Uh, I forget what the artist's name was, but... One day I'm making music in there and Creflo comes in and I'm making the beat and I do it in like five or ten minutes. He was like, that's a done deal. Mm. And I was like, that's what's up. And they was like, done deal. We're going to call you done deal. That was it. I, it stuck. Okay. When do you feel like you got like your first big break moment? Ooh, I had two big breaks. I guess my first one was the underground Atlanta, mm. uh, you know. Like rich kids, yeah. Thug. This is before they were popping. I did. I got it with Cash Out and Young Thug. Mm-hmm. Um, all the rich kids shit. Uh, Future, few other people, and then again, uh, I don't know. I'd have to say like the Gucci Man song, mm. uh, Guwap, was my first song that was like, oh shit, like it's Gucci Man. Hell yeah. And so. When Gucci did that, then after that, it was like a trickle-down effect. I was at the studio with Gucci every day, mm. Thug, Rich Homie Kwan, and from there, it was like easy work. Got you. Um, let's talk about that old Atlanta, because at this point, I guess you would consider it old Atlanta to a certain extent. Yeah, definitely old you know. Atlanta. So talk about that feeling. I feel like, you know, for me personally, it was just, just a different vibe compared to now. A, a lot more energy, mm-hmm. a lot less money. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
we weren't mainstream at all, so mm. nobody really cared what we had going on. That's fine. People loved the music. It just didn't take us to that next level. Mm. We want you to come skip class with us and share your story on our new segment called Skipping Class. Look, we want to talk to all the artists, indie or mainstream, or if you're an entrepreneur, come build your brand with us and tell your story to the world. You'll also get the show in our locker and you'll get promo clips for all your fans. So DM us today or visit our website, tprmediagroup.com. Get locked in with us. Simple enough. Yeah. Um, talk about linking up with DJ Spins. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I used to have a group called Planet Nine. Mm -hmm. We were a production group. And we did like came from nothing two and three and all that uh, for Thug. And Rusty used to work at a guitar center, and he met with this dude. And he was like, "Yo, man, DJ Spins wants to meet us hmm. because he's telling them that like we're producing everything, but really it was me doing everything. He was just like the the voice box. And hmm. so he went up there and worked with him one day, and they was like, "This nigga don't know what he doing." They were like, <laughs> it, must, "It must be done deal that we want." Yeah. And so I came up to there and uh, niggas was like, yeah, man, we trying to put you down. Uh, HPG, so Hood Rich Production Group. Mm. It was me, C4, uh, damn, what's that nigga name? Uh, the one. Childish Major. Yeah, sorry, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if you're watching this. Childish Major. Yeah. Uh, and Spins. Mm. And for about two years, we had every song that was like on the radio. It's facts. Well, name drop a couple of them songs. Sheets Working, Hannah Montana, You Don't Even Know It, mm. uh, Ain't Got Nothing On You mm. with Gucci, uh, Stoner, of course. Of course. Um, Wiz Khalifa, Ty Dolla Sign. We just was like super circulating, Meek Mill. Mm. Uh, yeah. Crazy. It was about a good two years of just nothing but hits. HPG 1, 2, and 3. Okay. During that time frame, I feel like that's when like it was it was right before Sunny Sunny Digital and them was working Metro. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So everybody was working out the same studio. Mafia. We were all at Gucci Man's spot. Got so you. Every day you would see Honorable C Note, yes. Metro, Southside, Spins, me, C4, and it was just in and out. Crazy. Talk about during that time though, like. What was, like, I know it was fun, but what was, like, those conversations, like, in the studio? Like, you know, was it competitive? Was it on some shit, like? So, back then, I didn't see the competition. Got you. But then I understood that, like, if you're not on the song, somebody else is. So, it is competition. Mm. I just thought everybody was, like, a, a unit working together. But, you know, if a nigga can slide you out the way mm -hmm. and put themselves in position, yeah, that's what happens. So, definite competition. I just was thinking, like, Everything was peaches and creams at the time, but, it, you know, right. niggas be hating. I got you. Um, who would you say was some of your musical influences? Like, who did you enjoy? Growing up? Yeah. Like, who did you enjoy listening to? I was definitely on the Dr. Dre. Of course. Uh, DMX. Um, fabulous. Mm. Um, when I first got to Atlanta... The first day I moved here, me and my mom went to Lennox Mall, and T.I. handed me his CD, 
Damn. Yeah, that's a long time ago. The I'm serious, Drake? No, the uh, the one, what's your name, Pussy Poppin' number one. Oh, shit. Like, just a single CD. Wow. And so I was like, damn. I was like, this is hard. I was listening to it. My mom was like, Pussy Popper. <laughs> Trying to stop the I'm song dead. and shit. But yeah, I was like 13. Wow. So T.I. was a, a good influence on me. Mm. Of course, Jeezy. Love that. Um, and then it just happened to be the niggas I was around every day. Like Thug and, and Future and, and Schooly. And I was just like, wow. Mm. Like, I'm hearing the sound change. Mm. So. I got to experience it a little bit everywhere. Facts. At what point do you feel like the sounds change in music? Because I feel like, personally, it's like every four years. But as a producer, what do you feel like? Honestly, um, I feel like sound changes when the sound needs to be changed. Mm. I feel like everything can get redundant mm -hmm. and monotonous. You can hear this same type of beat 25 million times. Mm -hmm. and, it just be like, okay, it's one long song, mm. you know? And then somebody needs to come through and, um, you know, not to throw myself in the mix, but <laughs> okay. let me throw myself in the mix. Nah, you know, period. I'm Billboard Top 100, number one for the, song, for the song that changed the sound of Atlanta. So Stoner Facts. was the difference mm. in music at the time. People was like, what the fuck is this? I agree, and I remember that shit. Yeah. Now, okay, so let's talk about Stoner then. I want you to talk about the energy of the city when the, when the people did embrace the song. Like when people, when all the DJs and everybody was really playing the shit, radio, shout out to Swamp Izzo and everybody. Talk about that energy. Man, it was so different. I never expected the song to, to well, I knew it was a hit because at the studio I was working at, um, everybody came in the room one day. Mm. I, you were there? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Young Dro, T.I., a mm -hmm. few other people, like I'm playing Stoner and they're opening the door like, what is this? Crazy. And so that kind of let me know that I was on the right track. And then when Spins heard it, he was like, this is going on the radio tomorrow. And, you know, being with Hood Rich, we was the radio at the time. That's so. facts. Boom. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits like four times points that adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. And up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Um, the energy was crazy. It felt good. It felt good to know I was part of the change. And, um, you know, I had been pushing Thug for, for years and got a lot of no's before I got a yeah. And so. that's so interesting because I know you was you was working with Thug long before, you know, I even came around. But just in general, you always been pro Thug before yes. before the public was fucking with Thug. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that time when people wasn't fucking with Thug, but you was believing in them. Like, what, what did that look like when you was trying to get his music played and stuff? A lot of no's. A lot of niggas was like, bro, come on, bro. I'm trying to mm. eat my food. Why are you playing this shit? Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like any reason to turn thug off. And, um, but there were a few people that understood, like the younger generation was like, to, to go to Club Crucial and play some songs, everybody rocking with it. 
Mm -hmm. And just because my old head friends was <laughs> acting like it was the worst. This podcast is supported by Morgan Stanley. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking to help you see untapped possibilities and relentlessly work with you to make them real. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. First music in the world, I knew what it was. Mm. So um, it felt good to see people change, though to put Thug in that top five category of rappers. Um, so yeah. Okay, that's what's up. Now, how did Thug feel about the Stoner record? Wasn't happy. He, not how he wanted to come out. Mm. Um, and I took the shit over to DJ Nando. R.I.P. Nando. R.I.P. Nando. Yeah. And Nando uh, at Onyx played the record and looked at me and he was like, he was like, who is this? I was like, it's Young Thug. He was like, come here, bro. He was like, I'm going to take this up to the radio station, too. Crazy. He said, let's put it on Make It or Break It, and it won Make It or Break It for like two weeks straight. And, you know, R.I.P. Nando. Mm. I really appreciate him for like really taking the time to listen to the record. He also broke Hannah Montana, too. Mm. And we're going to definitely talk about Hannah Montana in a minute, yeah. for sure. Um, so talking about DJs, talk about the importance of being proactive. People think you're just supposed to make beats, but you got to pull up and oh, do nah. the work too. Nah, I used to go to the strip club almost daily and play my records. Um, it's funny because, you know, Lala behind the camera at the time was was hot and heavy as an assistant. She was out there grinding this the pavement, true. making sure my songs were playing in the club. And so for... It's, it's the DJ, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, without the DJ, I don't think the, the records would have moved the way they are. Now now the internet is is heavy enough that you can do That's it all facts. from the internet. But back in that day, it was like, I took that shit to the club at the right time, played for the right people, and it blew up. That's true. Salute the DJs. Yeah. Now, fast forward. Um, we get to a point where Thug links with Rich Homie and links with Birdman. Word. And we got this Rich Gang project. Yes. Super fucking hard. Yeah. And you and your production group produced majority of the project. 14 songs on the project. But y'all niggas were not credited. We were not credited. No, we did 14 songs on Rich Gang. And when, so I happened to go to jail during the time. We're going to talk about that right, too. Right, that yeah. it got put out. And when I got out, I was like, yo, the shit dropped. I'm thinking I'm about to see like executive produced by Done Deal, mm. and it says London, and I was like, "The fuck!" Like it felt, it felt like a slap in the face because you know I've been Thug's biggest supporter. Mm -hmm. Never made him pay for no studio time, no beat, no nothing, and it just felt like, damn, that's crazy. Uh, shit happens though. It's the music industry. You, you kind of learn the beast and understand to roll with the punches. But that was a hit that like definitely made me feel like, damn, like niggas really don't appreciate you. So I stepped back. Respect. When did you get to a point where you kind of got over that? Because that, that tape impacted the world culturally for so long. I'd say probably about four years ago maybe three or four years ago where I just was like, I can't take it personal. Right. Like it, it was a better situation because 
London was signed to Birdman. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they can make it look how they need to. They got to push their narrative. Right. And uh, that's how you build a conglomerate, a big business, something that looks good. So I understood. Understood. And I respect that. I think that that hurt everybody, you know. But niggas knew that knew. Yeah, yeah. So, niggas who knew, they knew. They knew. But, yeah, 14 songs on Rich Gang and didn't get no credit, no... Crazy. It, I played one song for a person, they was like, you ain't produced that, bro. Like, a nigga wanted to fight me because he was like, London did JaVinci, bro. I'm not going to sit here and play with you. I was like, god damn. Crazy. <laughs> nah, that was, that was tough. Yeah. But, yeah. So now you did just say during that time you were locked up. Yeah. So what what happened during this? That's the whole situation was crazy as fuck. But from your words and your eyes, what happened during that situation? I thought I got set up. I thought niggas wanted me out the way mm. for this music shit, and somebody set me up to go to jail. Mm -hmm. um, and then I find out that it was closer to home. Like uh, this girl that followed me on Facebook, I followed her back, and cops was looking through her shit, and she said she rented the car to. A Jesus. nigga named David, and they found me on her Instagram. Mm. I mean, Facebook. Yeah. It, Facebook. So they found her. They found me on her Facebook, and they was like, uh, "You did a, a line of smashing grabs down the eastern seaboard, and at uh, from Augusta up to New York for like five hundred thousand dollars." And I was like, "Nah, man, I'm one of the top five producers in the United States." I'm like pulling up shit to show them on my phone. They're like, yeah, that's what you want us to think. Right. I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> they asked me, uh, they were showing me pictures of me and Birdman and shit. And oh I was my like, God. I was like, that's Birdman, man. They was like, so how did he get the jewelry? I was like, you think he got his shit from Costco? I was like, come on, guys. So Jesus. they had me locked up for like two, three weeks in Texas for some shit I didn't do. When I got out, the whole situation had changed. Uh, uh, thug and rich homie done fell out by the time I get out. Mm. I was like, what the fuck is happening? What's going on? So, shit was weird. How did that make you feel when you saw that thug and rich homie weren't working together musically, let alone personally, but musically? I'll have to say that rich homie hurt thug's feelings. Mm. He did that interview with the I Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. And I remember thug being at the studio like, we're not a group, mm. bet. And he's a Leo, like me. Like, I'm very passive, nigga. You going, oh, so we not together. <laughs> like, it's over then, fuck you. It's too many Leos right. in this damn room, oh my God. That's the energy, she yeah. a Leo too. Oh shit, you feel <laughs> oh me? shit, there's so many Leos yeah. in here. I feel the energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, but that's what happened. Mm. Um, I, I, I remember it just being like, quick mm. it was like home rich homie flew out to new york came back it was over mm. i was like whoa this shit happens like this mm. and it taught me like don't cross thug don't cross this nigga don't let nobody lie to this nigga and, and let him cross you out which i think that's what happened to me like mm. i think somebody made it been talking in thug's ear or some shit like that and uh made him feel like I was against him in some way, but never. Because it was a time where niggas didn't know who was leaking his music. Come on. So 
one day Pee Wee Roscoe comes to the studio, mm-hmm. Birdman. They were doing like that round table meeting, like and <laughs> Mafia style. <laughs> nah, for real. Like uh <laughs> Nino Brown, dog, you know what I'm saying? Like it was it, right, all black. <laughs> no, for real. And uh mm. Birdman was like, he just asked me, he was like, You leaking the music? Mm. I was like, No. And then Pee Wee Roscoe comes out of nowhere, he was like, he was like, but you got the songs done. I was like, yeah, I got the songs because Birdman told me to mix the songs. Hmm. And he was like, and he looking at Bird, Bird was like, yeah, I told him to mix the songs. And after that, it was just like, and then we find out that who actually was leaking the music was the owner of the studio. Because Birdman didn't pay the studio time. But they came at me. I was like, God damn. So, yeah, shit gets fickled in this Mm. this industry, but somebody leaked 153 songs. Oh, yeah, I remember all that shit. That shit was ugly. Yeah, shit happened quick. Mm. How is it now seeing Rich Homie at where he's at versus where we all feel like he should have been? Shout out to my brother. Me and him got one coming out on his project coming up. Um, Rich Homie has always been a, a real supporter of me. Like, he was mad at Thug when Thug kind of, like, pushed me to the side. He was wow. like, nah, bro, you don't do that. That nigga's your brother. Yeah. Like, he's been with you since the start. You got to you gotta put But at the time, they was already not seeing eye to eye. Mm. Um, but I'm so happy for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, don't, he never gave up. He took a break. I think everybody needs a break from the music industry. I took my break from the music industry because... It's stressful. Mm. It's very stressful, especially mm. if you don't have like a management situation mm. or anything. Um, I always felt like people just turn their back on me. Like uh, when when I fell out with with Hood Rich, that was tough. It was tough, mm-hmm. and I went to what was it Art Basel in Miami. Mm-hmm. They flew me out there, and uh, I saw Southside and Metro, and I walk up. And they kind of like turned their back on me. Mm. And we had been hanging out every day. Southside showed me how to make beats on Fruity Loops. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it went from that to fuck you over he said, she said. Mm. So, like, I feel like a lot of niggas try to do things to cross you out. And they'll put you in a position where you get crossed out so they can take your position. Mm. No, this should be deep. It is. So let's let's go back to producing Hannah Montana for Migos. Word. Um, I feel like that project was just like, man, it, that was crazy. Like it was definitely the the start of New Atlanta. Absolutely. Um, so it was a pivotal point in the music industry. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of niggas hated, and mm. then a, a lot of niggas loved it. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I remember my mom was like, Hannah Montana, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they saying it so many times? Mm. I was like, the kids will get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good time. It was this, uh, listen, this was all in a two month period that Hannah Montana Stoner and She Twerking came out. Crazy. So for me, it was like, I didn't get a chance to enjoy one song until like I was at the point where like all my songs were playing back to back on the radio. Mm-hmm. So. It was enjoyable. It was definitely like feeling like, oh shit, point in my life. Oh, we're gonna talk about that, of course. Yes, love that song. Of course. Well, so with the Migos though, um, 
you know, with that particular song, did y'all record that in person or was that? So I sent the beat to uh, to Spins. Okay. He was like, I got the Migos at the studio. Mm. And at the time I had only, uh, we did a song called Walk In With Me mm. uh, with Gucci and, and Quavo and Takeoff. Um, so that was the only song we had together. And he was like, yo man, they in here working, they making some hard shit. Hmm. And then I sent him that beat and he, called me like 10 minutes later. He was like, oh my God, done. This is it. I was like, man, let me hear. And I went up there and I was like, oh shit. Mm. These niggas is hard. Hell yeah. But I also mixed all these songs and, you know, just crazy. I really put my heart into them. So how does it, you know, how's it for you seeing them go their separate ways temporarily? It's temporary. Yeah. For sure. They mm. brothers. For sure. Um, you know, I have a really good, long-lasting relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like everybody has to grow up at some point. You know, everybody takes their time to to choose themselves. And so that's what I think is going on. Sometimes you got to choose you. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's any bad blood. I think at some point they'll get back together. I agree. Maybe a five-year reunion. But sometimes that that's another break that you need. Like Absolutely. You, sometimes you don't need the break from music. Sometimes you need the break from mm. from the energies that are being mm. crossed up. No, I respect that. So definitely getting back to point in my life. Yeah. You know, that was the song that I feel like connected us, though. Because yeah. that was the one where I'm like, man, this is my favorite record. The beat is just so fucking hard. Um, so talk about producing a point in my life song for Gucci. And, you know, just talk about creating that and just hearing it when you first heard it. Word. So I had never heard Gucci use auto-tune ever before, ever. Um, And one night I happened to, like, Gucci's engineer had to dip for some reason. And uh, Gucci was like, record me, done. And so I'm like, all right, I'll record you. And we start recording and I, I pull up that beat. But I, I was trying to skip past it because I was like, Gucci not about to record on this. Hmm. Nigga was like, hold up, go back. And so I go back and, you know, he's listening to the song. He was like, go. Mm. But Gucci records in five, 10 minutes. He's recording the full song. Stands up in the booth. That He'll stand up and sleep until mm. the next beat comes on. So we recorded Point in My Life and it was a hit. We knew it. We was like, damn, this is a good song. Everybody came in, started dancing and shit. Niggas was dancing with their girls. Mm. I was like, damn, I like this. Um, yeah, that was a good time. So. so is it true that Usher was supposed to get on that record? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Why yeah. didn't we get Usher on that song? Because Gucci went through his rant. I was going to ask you about that rant, <laughs> too. Yeah. It was literally <laughs> two weeks, three weeks later. Okay. Like, mm. um, he went on that rant and then got locked up and damn, crazy, craziness. Mm. How did it make you feel when you saw Gucci's Twitter rant? I think that was 2013. We were at the studio mm. um, and he kicked everybody out. He was like, y'all got to go because somebody kicked over his lane mm. and we believed him. So. Everybody got in their cars. It sounded like like skirts everywhere. So everybody dipped out. And then literally 30, 40 minutes later, he's talking shit about Rocco. 
He's like, yeah, pull up, pussy nigga, this, that, and the third. Jesus. And then started talking about Nicki Minaj, and we was like, oh, shit. Mm. And that was it. Literally, I think it was two days later he got locked up. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, talk about that one song that Gucci, I think he did with Keisha K.O.R. and Thug. Oh. Oops. It was it yeah. was Keisha, K.O.R. and Pee Wee Longway. Got you and Pee Wee, got you. All right, so <laughs> I sent him uh, the stoner beat the day before. Mm, that's what it was. And Gucci was like, he was like, done. He was like, my girl got a hit to this song. I was like, I'm literally recording a hit with Thug right now. I was mm. like, I can't, I can't do it. He was like, I'll give you 10000 for it. And at the time, I'm broke. So I'm like, nigga. Wait, hold up. I was like, nah, man. I was like, I can't do it. I was like, it's a hit. I was like, I can't do it, bro. And he was like, he was like, all right, think about it. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking. I was like, nah, that ain't it. Like, he sent me the song. He was like, what you think? I was like, nah, man. So I think I made the right choice at the end of the day. But mm. at first it was, it was Gucci, Keisha, and Pee Wee. I was like, crazy. That's not it, bro. So the Stoner record was already recorded at the same time? It was recorded at the, literally, I sent it to him. I didn't know he recorded to it. It was just in a beat pack. Damn. And um, yeah, it ended up being a smash. Crazy. Thank God. Right. I made the right choice. Not facts. Um, Okay. So let's talk about doing some work with Future. Word up. So you did the, the, the No Love joint for Future. Yes. Um, and then you did a lot of work. We did some work on the Dirty Sprite joint. Yes. So talk about working with Future early on. What was he like? Um, we usually, we were actually recording right across the street. Mm. Um, it was DJ Drama's old studio. Okay. Uh, so Rocco, at the time, like, he got me to, he was like, yeah, man, I want you to come work with Future. This, then the third. And at that time, my studio got broken into and all my shit got stolen. Damn. I didn't have no key. Like, I used to make beats on a keyboard and NPC. So, like, I didn't know anything about Fruity Loops or computers, or, you know, old school nigga. And, um, but me and Future had recorded, like, maybe 10 or 15 songs by that time. And then uh, I didn't have my, my gear, and Rocco wanted me to produce all of Future 1000. Hmm. He was like, he was like, I want you to do the whole thing, done. He mm. was like... And I was like, bro, I'm, I'm missing all my shit. And the nigga just brought me an NPC without the keyboard. He was like, here. And I was like, but I need a keyboard so I can put keys on it and shit. He was like, he was like if you can't figure it out, that's on you, bro. Damn. And I was like, damn. And so I kind of. Limba Chicken Chowmin, Mareta, a.k.a. Big Wara. Yo, it's Big Fred, a.k.a. Daddy Tuzawadi Podcast. Kiki Tubafetu, and we are the Sobering Podcast. Tune in to us every second Wednesday for fire conversations and interviews about South African music, sneakers, and street culture. Check us out on the Revolt Podcast Network. Shout out to our moms. Missed out on producing the whole joint. Damn. And, uh, shoot. After that, I was kind of just more focused on Thug. And then a few years later, working with HPG, mm -hmm. um, Future came through and we recorded No Love. Shit was hard. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. 
fuck with Future. Now, what about the record that he was supposed to have, I think, with Drake at the time, The Beautiful, Beautiful Child? Beautiful Child. What happened with that? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I remember Casino walked up to me in the studio one day. He was like, he was like, we about to change your life, little nigga. I was like, what's going <laughs> on? He was like, yeah, man, you got a song with Drake. Mm. I was like, for real? He was mm. like, hell yeah. He was like, it's called Beautiful Child. Anytime anybody hears it, people be crying and shit. Wow. I was like, damn. Never heard the motherfucker. Ain't ne- that <laughs> never <a> came out. <laughs> so some songs get buried, but true. Yeah, mm. that was that was quick. Right, and that's crazy. <laughs> they would later go on to work together. Yeah, ain't that some shit? Okay, um, we'll talk about producing the cake for Trey songs. Okay, and talk about that moment in your life too. Word. So I made the beat on the airplane, uh, on the way to 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 L.A. I was told that I was being flown out to work with Trey Songs, And so I made the beat, uh, went to the studio and played it for Mike Karen. And Mike Karen was like, I don't think he's going to like it. He was like, I don't think this is the type of record that he wants to do. And mm. I was like, okay. And then Trey Songs actually hits me up and says, come over to my house. And so I was like, shit, I'm going to his house. And I play the record for him, of course. He loves it. We knocked the song out. Um, but when I walk in, it's crazy. This nigga had like a harem of girls, like two actresses walked in while we was in there, um, went to his movie theater. He had one girl like braiding his hair and rubbing his feet. And I was like, damn. He was like, he was like, yeah, man, just meet me in the studio. I'm a, I'll be in there in a little bit. And uh, played the beat in probably about five minutes. Uh, we started coming up with the song. Facts. Yeah. That's hard. That was, that was quick. That was a quick one. For sure. Yeah. Um, That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, Trey's a cool dude. He was a cool. Yeah. That's hard. Um, so how did it make you feel when you was at the club and uh, when K Kim had to cut the bitch off remix and uh, Two Chainz said your name? But I don't know if he was saying done deal or if he was just saying done deal so, on the song. So it's funny because when I was working with Two Chainz. Um, Two Chains actually was like, he was like, yeah, man, that beat was hard you did for for camp. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't do that. He was like, so I said your name for nothing. That's crazy. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, that was that was funny. Uh, but I ended up working with Chains a few times. For sure, you know, he's he's a good dude. Mm. That's funny. Um, now, in terms of the music business. How did it make you feel when you finally were able to get out of your APG contract? Because I know that was something you've been working on for a long time. Yeah, I've been working on that for a few years. Yeah. Um, it was surreal. It didn't feel like, it still doesn't feel like I'm out, but sure. I'm out. Um, honestly, it was just a big relief. Because um, mm. I've been signed under, I don't, I forget what it's called, but I was signed with terms of albums oh, instead shit. of streams. Mm. So I recoup my money times 10 mm-hmm. with them. Um, it just was built around album placements. And I got a lot of singles. I got like songs on mixtapes. I raft, went double platinum. So, you feel me? So I had songs that like went really up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gravity for NBA Youngboy. Yeah. A um, bunch of other stuff, and for them, they were like, "Well, you're still signed to 
what we were doing back then. So mm. we just gonna keep you until you come out with another hit. Jesus. Yeah. And finally, I, I went on a Twitter rant and, and Instagram rant and was like, these niggas ain't helped me in the last four years. Fuck them. Crazy. And Mike Karen calls me probably an hour later. And I was like chilling and I was like, like what? <laughs> like, what's going on here? And Mike Karen was like, so you want to leave? I was like, yeah. Okay. That was it. And he was like, we're going to send you the paperwork. We'll get everything going. And you can get out of this deal. Wow. And uh, I'm very thankful to him. I appreciate it. And I know it's not his fault that I kind of got put on the back burner. Mm. Um, I feel like out of sight, out of mind. And I didn't go to California for a few years because of personal issues that I was dealing with. Um, but that's how it goes. Thanks. So what's been your favorite song that you produced so far? And favorite song just for any reason? I don't have a favorite song. It, okay. It's true. I just don't, you know, I, I have a lot of songs that I liked mm -hmm. um, that, but times change. Of course. Know? That's okay. all. So. I don't necessarily have a favorite song. I have uh, favorite times in my life. All right, well, maybe, maybe discuss that just musically then. Um, I'd say when I first got in, because for me it was more about the music, and I didn't have to understand what was going on so much with the business. And then when I started understanding the business, it kind of made me lose the love that I had for the music. Um, nice. When you gotta handle things yourself, you gotta be on point with calls. And I'm an introvert. Very I don't like going so. out. Mm -hmm. I don't like niggas in my face. I don't like <laughs> dapping up 20 niggas in a row. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I hate the fakeness of music. Mm -hmm. I hate like seeing the nigga in the club. He walk up to you. Oh, what's up, brother? Yeah, we gotta get in. This, that, and the third. And then you don't talk to him for two months. Mm -hmm. um, so music is a very like fake realm to me. Mm. It's not my real life. My real life is I'm David. You know what I'm saying? I have my son. I, I have a mom. I like to live my life how I like to live it. Mm -hmm. And when I'm on other people's times, that's why I got into music. So I didn't have to be in other people's time. Mm. But, you know, yeah. that's the nature of the beast. And so I took maybe four years to understand what I was going to do and and take my time away from being in the forefront or like I stopped posting on Instagram. I stopped being uh, in the right rooms because I just didn't want to be around people like that, mm. uh, especially after going to jail for the shit I didn't do right. and feeling like people were against me. Cause I only found out like the exact terms of my case two years later. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, for two years I was like, I don't trust nobody. Yeah. I don't know who the fuck did this. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I think now I understand that it's like, I get to make my choices in this music industry. I'm independent. Mm -hmm. I can, I can build, I can sign mm -hmm. and I never want to put people in the situation I was in. Um, nice. so yeah, that's, that's my goal is to, is to really change the terms of how people feel about music when they get in it. Because yeah. 
a lot of people get in and get their that love hate relationship even at the the tippy top. Facts. Money doesn't it money isn't a cure all. Facts. Um, so you brought up your son, so you know, talk about seeing him become a young man now, and then what's that like for you? Does that, I'm sure it changes you, or does oh, it? Oh yeah, it, make, it makes me into a better influence. I, for sure. I have to kind of be a man, and when you're in the music industry, it's easy to, to still be a kid. Absolutely. You know, it's fast money, especially when you're at the level. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But yeah. It's fast money. Um, you get to fuck off and be at the strip club, smoke weed on your job, get drunk. Right. It's a it's a nothing. It's a nothing industry. You don't you don't have to do anything for real, uh, except for be talented. Right. Um, so now I understand. Like, I want my son to do good in school. I want him to be an entrepreneur. I want him to make better choices. I don't want him to be so caught up in appearances mm. and, and girls. I want him to understand that, like, find your goal first. See what you want to do in life. And uh, that's the only way that I can show him is, is to be it. Respect. OK. Um, so talk about this upcoming producer camp that you have and talk about your studio, Death Star Studios. Oh, word up, word up. Yeah, yeah, 16th and the 17th, uh, one of my, my Good friends, Manny. Uh, he's day to day working with Key Glock, and so he decided to go ahead and put on a, a, a boot camp, a producer boot camp, where for two days we'll be working in the studio, making pretty much all the Key Glocks albums. That's all right. So, super exciting. Death Star Studio, 741 Lambert Drive, Atlanta, Georgia. Y'all come through. Got the prices and all that kind of stuff. You want to hit my Instagram, done deal on the track, all that. For sure. Um, and done, you know, the name of our platform is the Progress Support. So of how course. do you feel that you've progressed lately as a person? I'm an adult. That's it. Getting old. I feel yeah. it. I just turned 36. Yeah. Um, so um, I feel like not only that, but I, I have a mission. Um, when I was younger, my goal was to make money. Now my goal is not only to make money, but to, to put everybody that I, that's with me in a better situation. For sure. Um, so I've been running Death Star Studios for the last three years. Everybody's come through, Key Glock, Thug, Gunna, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, make, Migos recorded most of their album there. Mm. Um, we're always looking for more engineers, uh, interns, all types of things. But I, I want to put people in better positions. That's all right. So what's next? Uh, I'm about to start this label up. Uh, I'm about to start a new production group and uh, just keep my head on a swivel. Stay safe and dangerous out here because, you know, Atlanta's not what it used to be. It's facts. Of course, I'm a Star Wars fan. So, <laughs> so one day, uh, I just came up with an idea. I was watching Star Wars. I was like, a studio would be fine. It looked like this. And so that was my idea. I was like, Death Star. <laughs> you know, Death, D-E-A-F, you know. 
put the hood in it a little bit. A little, uh. So I got a little hood with it and I was like, you know, Death Star Studios. Um, big fan of, of Star Wars. Also, I'm doing another studio soon, but Dope. you know, when that comes, I love anime too. Got you. Okay, well done, this was dope, this was perfect. Um, I'm always proud of you. I love you, I appreciate you every opportunity, and you know, let's get it. Let's get it. Thank you. The Progress Report. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.